The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see and hear the voice and the face that's made for radio. Uh, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And on the left side of the page is Bradley's educational video from the previous day. Now, he is up in Virginia. They are doing some um, historical training up there, if you will, uh, in Yorktown, Williamsburg. Uh, what's the other one? Jamestown. And so probably some other places up there all week. So he'll probably be doing that. I don't know when he'll be back on the radio. But he, if he's not on uh, today at 3, then you get another educational video. So check that one out. Uh, on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click the play button. Blow it up whatever device you've got there. And then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. Um, that'll take you over into Rumble in the chat there. You can join us in the chat. We've got a lot of friends over there. And also, don't remember, we're streaming live there to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. So if you want to go there, you can watch as well. And also, beforeitsnews.com at the top of the page. And we appreciate them giving us a platform over at beforeitsnews.com. Right up under where we're live, sign up for our email newsletter. You get that once a day. That's all the articles that we have, including the morning show archive. So uh, be sure to sign up for that and get that between seven and eight Eastern in the evenings. And then finally, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there on the internet, radio, and out among the people teaching our Christian constitutional heritage, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. There's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, guys, we really do appreciate you very much. We really do. I don't just say that haphazardly. Uh, you don't do that. I can't do these things that I do. And so I'm, I'm, for me, I'm very grateful, and I know Bradley is as well. Uh, okay, so we got a special show, a returning guest with us, a uh, good brother in the Lord, and he's fighting a good fight of faith, and he's seeing things through. Uh, you guys probably remember when we had Scott Shera on the first time, and um, boy, I tell you that story. Every time I even start to think about what was done, I want to get righteously angry. 
and act like men in the Old Testament in their righteous anger, okay? Um, very restrained in some of that. And yet, Scott has been so calm and so straightforward. Every interview that I've seen him do, I've seen several of them, including those who are off of here, and uh, he just wants it to stop. He wants people to know the Christ, and um, he wants the killings to stop. And he's sort of a David going up against the Goliath, but he is making headway. And so we brought him on today. I'm going to I'm going to bring him on in just a second. But uh, his family put out a um, a press release announcing that now they have they've got enough information. They're going after uh, the hospital that murdered his daughter. And this is what it reads. Appleton, Wisconsin, April 12th, 2023. According to the lawsuit, Grace Shara, a 19-year-old with Down syndrome, died at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, uh, Ascension, after medical personnel administered three drugs that, when given together, are known to hasten severe hypoxia. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble, Scott, trying to read these. <laughs> Excuse me. And I'm sorry for coughing there. I meant to try to reach for the cough button. Presidex lorazepam, and morphine. You guys have heard that, haven't you? You've heard all of those mentioned by Kate on Saturdays. Also, according to the complaint, as Grace slipped into acute respiratory failure and Grace's sister begged for help, instead of starting CPR immediately, the nurses refused. Grace's physician had independently designated her as a do not resuscitate or DNR, and the DNR order was written without the family's consent and in defiance of the Shara family's uh, express wishes that all life-saving measures be deployed for their daughter with Down syndrome. And according to the lawsuit, has been filed because of the lethal cocktail of drugs and the fraudulent DNR order. Grace died on October the 13th, 2021. The entire complaint you can view will have the link up and it's at ouramazinggrace.net, which is Scott's site that he set up. Um, we're hopeful the lawsuit will pass the way, or excuse me, pave the way for thousands of other hospital victims families to file similar claims, said Scott Shara, Grace's father. This is not a case about financial repercussions, not that any, they could give you all the money in the world. They could give you the whole planet. And uh, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to be a repercussion. It is a case about shining light on a subject hidden from the American people. It is about stopping the behaviors of medical staff that result in needless premature deaths. Grace's legal case lays the groundwork for other hospital victims where their right to informed consent was denied and the patient suffered injury and death. The Shara family met with the media to outline the family's legal plans in Appleton, Wisconsin on March the 30th, joined by one of their attorneys and another hospital hospital victim. And we'll have the link up so you can see that press release, uh, that press conference as well. And if you want to contact Scott, you can do so at scott at ouramazinggrace.net uh, for more information. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, uh, Scott Shara. Hey, good morning, man. Good to see you. Well, it's my privilege. I mean, it is really neat to be here. I, I, I forgot about how super cool your open is. I mean, uh, I mean, people should contribute to you guys just to hear that open. I mean, it is that is really awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So tell us about this. Now, we know you've been on the show, I don't know, three or four times, I think. Uh, we passed you over to Kate. I think you've been on with Kate a couple of times as well. And now what's what's going on? You've got this you've got this lawsuit going. Where where was the place? What was the things that you needed in place before you brought the lawsuit? 
Oh boy, that's that a fantastic question. So, you know, we're this lawsuit is a landmark lawsuit for two reasons. One is exactly what the uh, the answer to the question that Tim just asked, which is what did we have to do just to get to the lawsuit? Uh, so, you know, a related question is why are not why are there not more lawsuits being filed? And just to get to this point, the cabal has set up so many roadblocks to file. And the first roadblock is Grace was 19 years old, so she's a legal adult. So that means my wife, Cindy, and I have no claim. We had to open up an estate for Grace just to file. More important than that is early on in this process, after Grace died and I started researching, I met an attorney who is a partner in a 300-partner firm, and he looked at things and said, Scott, this is a big case. So he introduced me to the best medical malpractice attorney in Wisconsin. And at this point, after listening to him, I thought, well, we're never going to file a case because he gave me the bad news. He said, Scott, even in slam dunks like this appears to be, you only have a one in 10 chance of winning. I said, what are you talking about? He said, let me share an example with you. He said, I represented a family where the husband had a sponge sewed up inside of him and we lost. A sponge from surgery. I said, how, how did how that happen? Us? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So I said, how could you possibly lose a case like that? And he said, I brought in 10 expert witnesses and they brought a hundred. So they, he's, he called it circling the wagons. He said they circle the wagons around their own. So if you look at this situation, you know, it is truly a David versus Goliath story in that we're going up against the sentient hospital system. And for those of you who are not familiar, Ascension Hospital System is the second largest nonprofit hospital system in the United States. And I say nonprofit in quotes because they have $30 billion in cash reserves. They partner with George Soros for their investments. Uh, they hide behind the Catholic banner. I mean, it is, it, you know, so they're going to come after us with a vengeance. They don't want to lose this case. They don't want to be exposed. You know, so these are the type of things that prevent people from being sued. But way more important than that. So we've got, you know, we, Cindy and I had to open up an estate for Grace just to file. Uh, one in 10 chance of winning. But even worse than, than all of that is there's no money. The state statutes really prevent you from getting money in these cases because of the fact that, you know, of course, we don't want any money. We've already said publicly, if we get a penny, it's all going back to other victims so they can file. So we're not after money anyway. But, you know, most situations, people are constantly contacting me several times a week. Who's your attorney? Because I can't even get an attorney to return my call. And I explained to them, the reason that you can't get an attorney is because you're thinking this is like a car accident claim where, you know, there's the, the attorneys own the ambulance company. So then they get the first, the first dibs on the patient in the hospital so they can sign them up because they get a one third amount of a big settlement where well, there is no big settlements in medical related cases because what they did way before COVID is they set up the doctor's lobbies that convinced the state legislatures to limit liability because they claim that if you don't limit liability, the doctors won't practice in your state. So 
that's that's why there's no cases filed. So that is that is by far and away the biggest reason this is a landmark case. But then the other thing that makes it a landmark case, Tim, which is not not uh, directly related to your question, but I wanted to just fill in this gap is that we a typical lawsuit files against the hospital because if there's a financial uh, claim, the hospital is the one that pays that out. Well, because we don't care about the the finances, we in addition to the hospital, we also sued five doctors and two nurses that breached the standard of care that caused Grace's death. And the reason that's significant is because we know in Nuremberg, with the Nuremberg trials, they tried to use the excuse that we were just following orders. And of course, we know that that's the excuse that these doctors and nurses are going to also use. But you can't. Those excuses don't fly. The fact is, is we still have choice and consequence for choice. And these individuals that we named, plus we named some John Doe's, or we didn't name them, but we left it open because we don't even have all the records yet. And as we get into discovery, there's going to be more people that need to be sued in this situation. So I'm trying to get the word out now so that all the doctors and nurses in the entire United States are going to see if you do this to people, if you do not follow your Hippocratic oath and you've bought into this crap, which is the spirit of collectivism that is being trained in medical school, that we have to ration care, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If you bought into that and now you start rationing care on people and you kill them as a result of following orders that are designed to not give people the medical care that they deserve as citizens of the United States, you are going to be held accountable for those choices and those actions that caused the death. And these seven people that we named directly caused the death of my daughter, Grace. Yeah, I was going to show people this. This is, um, and again, we'll have a copy of this up on the archive so you guys can check it out. But uh, these are the people who are being named in here, uh, not along with Ascension Health, the Gavin Shoker. Um, Dr. David Beck, um, Dr. Daniel Leonard, Carl Baum, all these are doctors, Ramana Marada, uh, Holly McKinnis, she is a nurse, by the way, and uh, Allison Barkholtz, who is an, also a nurse, uh, Wisconsin Injured Fa Patients and Families Compensation Fund, and uh, John Doe's 123 are, you know, mentioned in there for medical providers. And, you know, Scott, one of the things is, is that when we when we start looking at this, I got to tell you, any I don't like going in a courtroom at all. I try to stay away from those things. But you know, when you go in, you can say all kinds of stuff that's exactly right. But if you don't present it correctly, uh, those people are throw say that you can't do that. You, you right. don't know what you're talking about here. So I understand it's not just stacking the deck. And by the way, I was just going to throw in this idea. We've had you know a lot of doctors uh, along with Kate and Kate knows a, a lot of people that if you guys wanted, I'll bet if you wanted to bring people in, some of these doctors, some of these nurses testify and you don't just have one, I'll bet some of them would give you a really good break on that or maybe even do it free. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for them. Yep. Maybe yep. we can fish for some of those guys to come and help you in the proceedings. And that's fantastic, Tim. I, I would welcome that. We do have uh, several people have already reached out to that end. So what I'm doing is I'm, I created a folder for anybody reaching out so that once the legal team gets to that point, if they need additional experts, we actually name the expert right in the complaint. The complaint is 23 pages long. We name the expert. And that's also one of the reasons it takes so long. So I had already gone through the records. 
thankfully, because then I was able to show the legal team what happened. But then they had to do their own forensics. Um, and so what ends up happening then to get to the point of filing, you know, it, it cost a fair sum. We had to use our own money because, you know, the this is not a contingency case because there's no money involved. So we had to pay all those people to get it to the point of having a legitimate case to file. You can't just throw these up against the wall and hope they stick. You got to have some meat in it. And so we did this as an extensive narrative pleading or complaint because we want people to see how these are filed and to be able to use this as a pattern. It's now a public document, so anybody can use this as a pattern to follow with their own case. Okay. All right. Now, since it is, since there is a lot of money, I want to kind of get this out of the way. If there are people out there and they hear what's going on during this this hour that we've got together, how can how can they help? Because uh, this is one of the great things about about for you is none of this money is actually going to you. It's going to go for the case. And so, uh, you know, this isn't a thing where you're looking to get rich quick or anything like that. And I know a lot of people have those questions. Is there a place where that people can go and they can kind of contribute to to push this case forward? So what we're we started a different website just for uh, once the case got going, it's gracesharah.com and Shara is spelled S-C-H-A-R-A.com. And what we're, what we're really after is for people to put in their name and email address. And the reason is, is because, you know, for me personally, yeah, you've got it up on the screen. For me personally, it would mean an awful lot if we had a hundred thousand people sign up and follow the case because we see this case as, um, I mean, it, it's it's big. And as we get people who are following the case, I can reach out to them. I see this as uh, a real opportunity to get other cases filed. And that's what we're hoping through through this effort right now where I'm getting on interviews to get the, the word out so we can, you know, as the case gets traction, um, what I've talked with the legal team about is, are you guys willing to take on other cases if they're if they have funding? And they said yes. And it's a great legal team. Um, so I would like to be able to use that opportunity to ultimately raise funds, you know, th through the database that we create from people signing up. That you know, so it just processes Tim. If we have um, five hundred thousand people sign up on the on the list, if each person gives a dollar, that's a half a million dollars. Well, that's five more cases. And so we we see that as a real opportunity here in the in the long run um, as things get rolling. You know, right now we're in the infancy. infancy. Uh, this week, all the parties will get served. Uh, then they have 20 days to respond. Uh, you saw that Wisconsin Victims Compensation Fund thing. That's another hoop that they put in our way to block the lawsuit. So we had to uh, file a motion with the director of state courts uh, for a mandatory mediation before they'll hear the case. I mean, this is it's just like every step of the way they put roadblocks because you know they do not want these these cases to be heard. Um, an interesting thing that I want to share and. You're letting me ramble more than usual because you're cold. Which yeah, is go, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but what I, I, this just came to mind, and I, I've only shared, I think I shared this with one other person so far, but last week I had a phone call from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and that is the largest newspaper in Wisconsin. Uh, they're, of course, liberal. And the reporter wanted to interview me. And so I started talking with her, and she said, Do you think that Grace? died because she had 
Down syndrome? I said, yes, I do. And she said, are you a conspiracy theorist? I said, well, people like you would want to label me that because you want to discredit what I have to say. But I said, I have the proof. And so while we're on the phone, I said, let me email you a document. And I'm going to go through that document with you. I just thought about that as the lead in. Okay. Um, so I said, let me email you a document. So I emailed the document and we go through it. And, you know, it, I could almost feel her waking up live as I'm going through this stuff because, you know, it's, it's too unbelievable. So she's actually coming to interview me in person uh, tomorrow or not tomorrow, Friday, uh, which will be pretty neat. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's, I think that's great. I think that's great. Now you've also got something else in the works and we're going to get back to the lawsuit in a minute, but you've got something else that's coming out. Is it coming out later this month? Did I read that right? I brought the thing up. Yep. Here. Yeah. We don't have the release date yet because okay. we're, so we're, we, we have a documentary that we're featured in called breaking the oath. Uh, that's exciting stuff. Uh, so this is, this is really a, a neat documentary. Of course, our family is, is featured as the introductory story, but then, uh, we have uh, the man, Robert Pazer, who my wife and I rescued in November. Uh, him and his mom are in there. Uh, Vera Sheriff, who I who has become a friend of mine, is is in the documentary. Dr. Moon gives the expert testimony as a doctor. And Nurse Erin, of course, is fantastic. She's the one who first exposed hospital murders way back. Yeah, uh, she's, she's in the film. So uh, the film is done. It's just we're trying to coordinate with... Um, a platform to launch it. And so once that date is set, which we may have already as, as soon as tomorrow, but you know, I'll be emailing you out uh, that as soon as we have it. So, but that's exciting. Um, so anyway, back to this, this uh, lady who uh, from the Milwaukee journal Sentinel. So, you know, I told her, I said, I want you to be aware that if you do your job on this story, you will be fired because they do not want what I have to share with you out. You know, think about how the freedom you and I have to talk here, Tim, and I can share anything because your listeners are awake. But, you know, in a liberal newspaper, just the document I'm going to share next that they don't want out. And I, I don't know if you, I think I emailed this to you. If you have it, it's, it's the Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin document. You can put that. Yeah, I think I, uh, I thought I had that. I mean, you, well, you mentioned it a minute ago and the, the names kind of, changed on me when I was going down here through the bottom. Uh, this must be one that you sent me like last week or whatever. Yep, it, it is. So it should have been in the packet I sent you last week. So if you don't have it, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to read. Yeah, I'm, not, it. I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing it. Would you mind reading that? Yep. So this okay. is, this is, and again, all these things I'm talking about, I don't want you to look at them as Wisconsin based because they're not. These things are coming from, how, how does a state get funded? You know, the federal government has almost complete control of the states, even though it was not set up that way. It is that way today. You know, the states are supposed to have all the powers not given to the federal government. Well, it's a complete role reversal. So these things I'm going through with you came down from the feds, and I'm going to connect the dots as to how. But this document specifically, so this going back to this lady. So she says, do you think Grace died because she has Down syndrome? So I told her, yes. And I said, you know, in the seven days Grace was in the hospital, there was 22 doctor visits, some of them the same doctor. But every time a doctor came in the room, they had to write a report. In those 22 reports, they referenced that Grace had Down syndrome 36 different times. So that doesn't prove anything. Um, but then we found this document, and this document is thanks of, of our mutual friend, Kate, who I really got to know well, thanks to you. 
So Kate uh, sent me this. It's from the Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin. Yep, and I did and, find it, so I'm going to show it. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so this the title of this particular training document, this is a training document for medical providers. So two MDs wrote this. You see their names right at the top. It's called Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome. So first they lay out causes of morbidity and death in Down Syndrome. I'm not going to read all these, but they have you know, roughly 30, 40 different problems that Down syndrome people have. You know, they just make it all negative. Uh, bam, 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 all these problems. Then they, then they get to a summary of those problems. And it says, this is, scroll down just a little bit, Tim. It says, the lifelong toll on families is high. Yeah, you're there, right at the bottom. The lifelong toll on families is high. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by healthcare providers. So what they're telling you, okay, we got all these problems that Down syndrome people have, and this is these people are a toll on their family, and you've got to recognize this. As you decide to end their life, realize you're doing a favor to these families. That's what this document says. Well, guess what the lifelong toll that Grace had on our family? My gosh, she, she kept me young. She made life fun. Her, her lifelong toll was to give, us, to give us love. I mean, there was no toll. You know, I was a, if anybody was a toll, I was a toll on her. Well, uh, the scripture says that our children are a blessing, and I don't care if they got Down syndrome, if they're born without legs or arms, they are a blessing. They're a blessing, well, brother. I never had such a blessing. I thought, you know, when I, we, we got grace, I thought, man, what did we do so special that God blessed us? You know, we, we didn't deserve it. She, she just was, she was an absolute gift. He's a good but God. Here, here's the clincher, Tim. Uh, whenever possible, decision makers for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. You know, this, my brother always tells me, Scott, you could, you always bring up in every interview, you can't make this up. And this is that at that level, you can't make this up. Think through what they're saying. The Down syndrome person doesn't know if they want to live or die. Well, believe me, I know that, I know the, the uh, intent of every single Down syndrome person. They want to live. It's no different than you or me, Tim. Hello? You know, but they, they want to set this up that the, the physician has unilateral authority. Okay, so now, big deal. This is a training document. Okay, so what about the, how did they get there? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one step at a time and build my case here. Well, can I ask so, you something before you do that? When you say big deal, it's just a training document. Well, if it's the training document and it's setting the, the quote-unquote death, I don't even want to call them health care providers here, uh, the death care providers, um, if it's, if it's, um, if this is what their mindset is going in through the training, well, then doesn't that logically carry out to what happened to Grace? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. it but it, it gets substantially worse. That's why I'm, I'm putting it. I think this training document is substantial personally. When I saw it, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is one of those things you can't unsee. Yeah. But it, it actually gets substantially worse than that document. So on December 5th, we received a letter from the Department of Safety and Professional Services. Well, that is the organization that holds the licenses for all the doctors and nurses in the state of Wisconsin. 
And they had already done a sham investigation, but there was a reporter that poked around even further because he could hardly believe it that Grace could have a DNR on her without our permission. Well, they wrote on December 5th, and this is literally how these liberals have, they have the boots on the ground and they have everything buttoned up. So now this is still at the state level. Next, I'm going to go to the federal level. Uh, chapter 154 of the Wisconsin statutes does not apply to physicians operating in a hospital, non-emergency room setting, such as the one in question. Well, chapter 154 is the state DNR statute. So that does not apply to a hospital setting. Just wrap your head around that. That means when you go into a hospital, you need to bring your laptop with you. You have to have access to the internet. You need to have access to your portal with the password, and you need your hospital record portal live in the bed with you and be watching it 24-7 all the time because you never know when a doctor is going to put a DNR order on you. And this is not, Grace's case is not an anomaly. Here's, here's a, a, a really a interesting story that will tell you where most people are at in our society and most um I, I don't know what percentage. I think it's a fairly high percentage because here's a person that claims to be a Christian. I talked with her two months ago. Uh, roughly a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, she wrote, or no, she didn't write. She lives next door to a reporter who did an article on, on our story. And she told the reporter, she's a nurse in Appleton, Wisconsin. She told the reporter that I'm lying. She said that man's lying and specifically about the DNR. She said no doctor would ever put a DNR on somebody without their permission. So two months ago, the reporter called me and said, hey, remember that lady who said you were lying? I said, yeah, I remember. Uh, well, she called me yesterday and said she was in the hospital with her dad. She's the nurse, and her she's the power of attorney on her dad. She was looking at the chart. Sure enough, the doctor put an illegal do not resuscitate order on her dad. So I said, do you think you can uh, arrange that I can talk with her? And so she said, I'll try. So she she did. And I talked with the lady. I talked with this nurse. I said, will you come on the air with me and share this? People are dying. I, I can't do that, Scott. I'm 66 years old, and I'm a year away from retirement, and I don't want to jeopardize that. So this, Tim, this is this is sick. It is so evil, so sick. They have they've infiltrated our society with evil, and you know we're we're doing our little bit on that we can to fight back, and you know hopefully make a difference here. But uh, this is evil beyond evil. And so, where do, what's the authority for all of this? So, what I'm going to read to you is a is a law that is unconstitutional, but nonetheless, this is this is the law that they uh, that they use as uh, their defense. So this law, you're intimately familiar with it. It was passed on March 23rd of 2010, and it's called Obamacare in short. And Obamacare was set up by Ezekiel Emanuel on purpose, hired to facilitate the writing of Obamacare. And his attitude, which is the spirit of collectivism, which is the, how they've sold all of this, his attitude infiltrates Obamacare, because that's why he was hired to do it. And that attitude is summarized with this statement. So, quote, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed, end quote. So that applies to, guess what? Every single American 
who's ever been born because all of us are going to become useless eaters sometime in our life. That's just a fact. That's the way it works. So once we're not paying taxes anymore or whatever other foolishness they have us doing that that's illegal, we're not contributing citizens anymore. So we should not have health care. So then you take that. So that's just a concept now, Ezekiel Manuel's concept, codifying collectivism in Obamacare, March 23rd, 2010. But what does it actually say? So I found this document, Tim, and I would encourage everybody to look it up. I did not send this one to you uh, because I actually printed it off yesterday. But I think I may have sent you the related document. I'm not sure. But regardless, you can find this on your own. Uh, Obamacare is 974 pages long. This is page 141. It is section 1553. And I'm going to read, read it. Um, this The title of section 1553 is Prohibition Against Discrimination on Assisted Suicide. And so what it says in summary, individuals or institutions refusing to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing may not be discriminated against by the government. Wow. Just think of this through. So they're telling us, this is what Kate, Kate has really motivated me because she said, Scott, you got to find the smoking guns in the United States. I have them all in the UK. So, I mean, these are all smoking guns that I found, right? So they're telling us they're going to kill us by assisted suicide, euthanasia, and mercy killing. But if there is any individual, so this is a, a medical professional or institution, a hospital, that doesn't want to participate in Obamacare, we will not discriminate against you. Okay, well, that's good. At least you're not going to be discriminated against. But here's what's interesting about that. Of course, we're not going to discriminate against you, but we're going to take your license away. We already know they've already done that, right? So we're going to, we won't discriminate against you, but we're going to take your license away. You won't be able to pay, pay your mortgage anymore. And But the good news is on the same section 1553, we have a way, if you are discriminated against, this is really good news, Tim, the office of the office for civil rights of the department of health and human services is designated to receive complaints of discrimination based on this section who doesn't that give you confidence the health and human services secretary is the only person who has the authority to begin and end a public health emergency period so the public health emergency that just got done through a false Law, um, congressional act with president's signature, they didn't even have the authority to do it because they gave the authority to the Health and Human Services Secretary. So on April 10th, when they signed this to the, the dog and pony show to make them look like they're doing something for the United States citizen, they did nothing. The only person who can end a public health emergency is the Health and Human Services Secretary. And guess what he did while the public health emergency was going on? On November 23rd, again, through Kate's help, I found this document. I didn't give you this one. Um, I think I may have sent this to you before, but I, I have this document on Grace's website. So what he did, because he has unilateral authority under the guise of a public health emergency. So this is the department, remember, that is in charge of if you're discriminated against as a medical professional or hospital because you don't want to kill somebody through euthanasia, mercy killing, or assisted suicide, you, you go to the Health and Human Services Secretary. Well, that secretary on November 23rd of two, 2022 put in place death panels. But, but, but weren't we talking about that anyway? And let's remind everybody, this, this uh, reprobate 
is a man who dressed. No, is he's the he's the assistant, isn't he? Rachel, Which one? the guy going by Rachel Evan is he's he's yeah, he's the guy who dresses up like a woman, right? Looks like Fred Flintstone in a dress. Nope, that, that's a different one. Okay, nope, that's the de that's like the yep, deputy guy. Okay, but still, we were warning yeah, about the uh, we were warning about the death panels. A lot of people were warning about the death panels was in Obama. Oh no, they're not in there. Oh, rationing healthcare? No, nah, it's not in there. You conspiracy theorists, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's right there in black and white, isn't it? It's right there in black and white. Right, exactly. So you know, back in 2018, Congress made this big. Um, uh, bugaboo about there's no death panels, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the, the Health and Human Service Secretary is Xavier Becerra, uh, and he signed the new death panels into law on November 23rd. They were filed on November 24th. Well, in that, you think, okay, well, what's this? That, even those dates are significant because that's the day before Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving. So then the press never found this document. I thankfully... Thankfully, we found this and we got it out to the public because this is, this is, you know, they do this right in front of us, but nobody spends the time researching, which I understand people are busy. I, I am so thankful that God has given me this spirit of research that I, and I, I just, I can't get enough of this. I just want to share it with people so that they can have a chance to wake up like I've been woken up. You know, my daughter had to die to wake me up. And, you know, I'm trying to share this so that you can wake up without having somebody die. I mean, this is really happening. You, if, you know, part of being prepared, you know, you can't be prepared. If I tell somebody to um, be prepared for X, if they don't believe X, there's no reason they'd be prepared. So I share this because I, I want you to change your belief. If you change your belief that hospitals are not safe anymore, well, now you can be prepared. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have a question about that, too. Um, I know that you you've told the story and uh, we'll have the links to the other interviews. I know we didn't go through a lot of that because we're focused mainly on the lawsuit. But when you when you have this kind of stuff going on because you were there, you tried to stay there as much as you can. I think you left for a little bit and that's when they administered the drugs. I think your daughter or somebody was there. And um, and that's when she started having all the problems. Uh, that's when they found out about the DNR and all of the stuff. And then literally within minutes she was gone and the question i have is is it a wise thing that you do a power of attorney with your spouse or your your mother and father or something where you've got something illegal that if these guys come in you ask about everything that they're putting in your loved one and if they're not putting something in there you say whoa wait a minute i'm standing up for her rights now i think you ought to be able to do it without a power of attorney uh we did that with with guns and if somebody has a gun to somebody's head here in the state of south carolina i can go up and i can kill the person who's who's um, holding the gun to somebody else by assuming the rights of the victim. And I'm wondering, is there anything like that that you're finding? Some other things that can be put in place? Because I can just see when you say, no, you're not going to get that. Then you're going to bring the doctors in. Then you're going to have to get a little rowdy because people are going to try to kill your daughter. And I, I don't know why people would think that would be wrong for you to become violent. And I'm not saying you would, but I don't see why people would think that's, that's a wrong thing to be violent with people who wish to murder your daughter. I just don't understand that. But is there well, something that people can do with yeah, that? There is a lot that you can put in place. And I do want to, I want to close with that because it's, you've got to have some hope and you got to have some protection. Um, but interesting that you mentioned about violence, the state of Wisconsin uh, last year, put they passed a, a law that said you can't do, have any threatening behavior towards medical staff. You know, and I, I never got to the point of threatening behavior, but I mean, I can see why people sure. would. 
you know, they they would because of, of the atmosphere that we're in. And so first, before I explain what the solution to this is, I want to frame it in the most important light, which, you know, so I explain what the problem is. Now I'm going to explain the solution, but I also want to explain it in the light of the gospel, which is there's two mistakes that you can make. Now that you're awake to what is going on, there's two mistakes that you can make. One is failure to prepare. And so I'm going to give you the tools to prepare next. But then the second one is relying on your preparations. You rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Amen. You know, That's right. that is a big deal to me because the reason, you know, when I shine the light totally on me, Tim, the reason grace is not here is because I let fear control me. And you know, we should have never taken grace to the hospital. Uh, when I see it now and I use my critical thinking skills and then I realize that I was motivated by fear, I, you know, grace would be alive today if I was relying on Jesus Christ at that moment. But I didn't. I relied on uh, fear motivated a choice. And then I turned over my my God given rights to the white coats. And I want to show you. Uh, verbally, what your God-given rights are. So that's a good uh, word, Scott. It really is. Well, thank you. The the everything I'm saying right now, you can find on our main website. This is different than the one I gave Tim before. I'm going to come back to that at the end. But ouramazinggrace.net has a tab called Hospital Rescues, and the Hospital Rescues tab has a hotline. If you ever find yourself in a in a real problem, you can reach out to. Uh, Laura Bartlett on that hotline. Uh, then you also see forms you need. And so the forms I'm going to talk about next. Um, but let's just walk through this. Um, and then um, I want to share a couple things in closing. So you get to the hospital. So just walk through this setting. You get to the hospital. They give you this little stupid screen with the fake pen they want you to sign, right? Don't do that. Just start with that. Don't do that. Start with an attitude of distrust versus an attitude of trust. So insist on seeing the document. Any document they want you to sign, if you dis disagree with anything, cross it off, initial it, insist on a copy. So make sure you've got copies of everything. Then you need to have def definitely the forms Tim's talking about. You want to have both a power of attorney form and a medical directives form. Realize there's never been a form ever developed that saved your life, but you still got to have these forms. And the reason is that gives you the legal authority, make sure that they... Uh, put the power of attorney document and your medical directives document. This is what you want with your care, that it gets on file. Best is to get everything to the hospital way before you need it. So if you know what hospital you're going to go to, get it to them. Make sure everything is there. Make sure you got the documents notarized. You know, in a pinch, you don't. You can just do this uh, live. Get the documents printed out, sign it, and bring it with you. Um, but everything, if you do it in advance, the you know, it's, it's going to be better. So, you know, the medical directives, you know, you don't want to have any tests that you don't want, no drugs you don't want, you don't want any jabs, uh, no DNRs. You know, it's it's pretty obvious. The forms lay lay that out for you. Uh, so those forms are, are really important. But there's something substantially more important, and that is understand your rights as an advocate. So now you got, you didn't, you didn't sign the blank thing. You've got your forms. Uh, your rights as an advocate are real important. So you have a, a two really important rights. Number one is you can fire your doctor. So if the doctor is not doing what you came to the hospital for and not listening to you, fire him or her. If the hospital provides the replacement that still is not doing it, then fire the hospital. Go someplace else. Don't put up with anything that is 
not what you are paying for. You know, if you went to a gas station to pump gas and they they pump water into your your tank instead, you're not going to keep going to that gas station. You have the right to fire that gas station. So you have the right to fire your doctor. I mean, this is not, this is, you know, what I'm going to tell you is like the blinding flash of the obvious, but people don't realize it. You just want to be polite. You know, the doctor knows best. Well, the doctor does not know best. Uh, you know best. You know about yourself. I learned this when I, I was diagnosed with health um, heart disease six years ago. And when I started drilling down heart disease, I happened to have a decent doctor and I showed him what I found. And he said, Scott, your, your research is 10 years ahead of what I know. So just keep going. And he approved all the tests that I wanted, all the blood work without ever seeing me again. He just signed off on everything because he knew I was taking my own health uh, seriously. Um, so don't, don't assume the doctor knows more than you and you can fire the doctor. Uh, but then the, more important than that is your right to informed consent. And that right is actually this is your right, but it's also a responsibility of the doctor. And I'll just show this on the screen. This is the, uh, let's see, how do I got to move? This you got to go the other way. <laughs> the other way. All right. Go to medical ethics. This is, this is the American Medical Association Informed Consent Code of Medical Ethics Opinion 2.1.1. And it says informed consent. So this is what the doctors are supposed to follow. Informed consent to medical treatment is fundamental in both ethics and law. Patients have the right to receive information and ask questions about recommended treatments so that they can make well-considered decisions about care. So that's what they're supposed to follow. All right, so now what does that look like? So there's two words here, informed and consent. So informed, I'm just going to use an example because it's easier to use a, an example. So the first time when I, you know, when I was a computer novice and, you know, I just turned 60 years old, but, you know, I've been using a computer for a long time, so I'm not a novice anymore. But the very first time I can remember that, you know, the computer geeks say, well, you got to get a mouse. So well, I don't, what are you talking about a mouse? So the first time you go in and, you know, the salesman showing you one of these things, what is this thing? I don't know. Then you see, oh my gosh, there's, there's 15 choices. So then what do you do? You know, you start asking a lot of questions and you figure out, okay, well, you know, what's the pros of this one? What's the cons of this one? What are the features, advantage, benefits? What are the alternatives? Well, that's what you do with, you know, the doctors recommending a drug. And so I'm going to give you um, an example of what informed consent doesn't look like, but it looks like what I just said. Ask a lot of questions, get the pros, cons, alternatives, risks, benefits, everything. Ask a lot of questions, get your arms around that, take notes. So what it doesn't look like is what happened with Grace. So she's put on Prasidex. We don't even know it. She's put on the Razopam. We don't even know it. Um, I was with Grace from October 6th through the 10th. On October 7th, the only time we even got close to informed consent was the doctor, the COVID expert said, I want to put Grace on toxilisumab. He wouldn't even explain it. So I said, he said, well, she, she can get on it and that will help her. Okay, well, I, how do you know that? And so I just said, you know, he wouldn't talk to me. So I said, spell it. So he spells it and I start looking it up. So I got a hold of a doctor on the outside who I trust and she looked it up. And so between her and I, and we found this New England Journal of Medicine uh, study that said that um, the, the placebo group did better than the drug group and the drug has 17 side effects. So now his, doc, his partner in crime comes in and says, what did you decide on toxilisumab? I said, we're not doing it. Well, what's the reason? I show him the New England Journal of Medicine study and he gets mad at me. 
So I found out after the fact, you know, and I've done a lot of research. I find out, well, what, what is the, what is going on here? I wonder why he got mad at me. Well, now I, I know why. Taxalizumab was under emergency use authorization for use with COVID. And guess how much the hospital receives for one dose? Lots of money. $22,000 a dose. Wow. So this is what they do. Uh, here's another one. The, on October 8th, the, the pulmonologist comes in and says, your, your daughter needs to be on a ventilator in the next two hours. Okay, well, what is that based on? Well, it's based on this blood gas draw. I said, well, do another one. I, I can't base something on one draw. They do another one, Grace is fine. You know, so then I started asking questions about a ventilator. And you know, he tells me that only 20% of people walk alive, out alive on a ventilator. So now all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. So I started doing some research on ventilators. Well, then they bring in the closer, who's called the hospitalist. The pulmonologist is the hammer. I'm not buying. So they bring in the closer. This is just like a car lot. So they bring in the closer, the, the, the hospitalist. He sits down with me and says, well, isn't a 20% chance better than no chance? This is, I'm, I mean, Tim, think Good through this is what this, this is the hospital setting. This is what it's like. Well, Scott, let, let me let me just interject because what I'm thinking and what the guys get mad, I don't think it's just about the money. I think it's your questioning. They have the white lab priestly coat. And how dare you question the gods of the medical system? And I think that's really what's going on. It reminds me of Romans 1. They won't honor God as God. They're not using the creator's medicine. They're not telling people to go back to the old paths and learn how to eat good things that are good for them so they don't have certain problems and things like this. No, they, they're, they're there to pimp the drugs. And, uh, you know, it's incredible to me because Romans 1 says they profess to be wise, but they became fools. And that's exactly what these some of these people are doing. Not, not all of them. I'm not wanting to broad brush there. But there's enough of them that that's the way they think. And yeah, I've had right. some good doctors in in my time that I've had to deal with. Uh, but then I, boy, we learned a lot with uh, having children. And that's why we ended up having children at home because it was better for mom. It was better for baby. Uh, it was cheaper. It, it just, it, it's, it, you know, pregnancy is not a medical condition. It's a natural, natural thing of life. But, but then when you get to these other things, it's just corrective. And boy, I've learned so much from Caden in that. What we eat, yes. what we put into our bodies. All of that can reverse the diseases that we have. And I, I find the information that she's given, I know the audience does too. By the way, if people want to see, listen to Kate, uh, she comes on on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Eastern uh, here on Sons of Liberty every Saturday. And uh, so I think those things are great. But I'm, I'm glad that you're pointing those things out so that people, under they when they go in, they kind of have their eyes open, kind of looking around, reading things and checking and make sure that stuff is, post is done the way it's supposed to. And if they don't know what it is, it's okay to ask questions. Absolutely. I want to, because you brought up Kate, I just, I, uh, I, I have to say this because she's become a friend through all of this. So, you know, I, I talked with her once and she's, she said, I mean, you should have a shot of single malt whiskey every day and, and uh, smoke organic tobacco. And so I said, so, so I go home and talk to my wife and I, she said, well, how did the, the meeting go with the nurse? Well, she wants me to start drinking and smoking. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet that went over like a lead balloon with her, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, I teased Kate about that. When you have her on on Saturday, you can you can ask her about it. It's cute. Anyway, so then the second half of informed consent is consent. So now you're informed because you did your job asking questions. Uh, you really demanded the doctor answer your questions, but now you let there be a gap of time in between. And so don't feel the pressure. So now take overnight sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes two hours, sometimes overnight, and now you give your consent. What I've decided to do, doctor, is this. 
based on what you said in my research, and then that's what you get. So this seems really backwards because it isn't how it works, but this is how all of us buy things in life that we're not familiar with. You do your research, and then you process, and then you make a decision. That's the same thing. Informed consent is nothing more than what we're used to in life, but we're just not used to it in a hospital setting. So I, I want to close with this, Tim, because this is really big news. Um, the So I laid out Obamacare. We know that there's an agenda to kill us, but people don't, you know, what's coming next? You know, I'm not a prophet, so I can't tell you exactly what's coming next, but I can tell you it was set up. So before COVID, there were 62 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. And at that time, that was 39% of the annual federal budget to fund those two bureaucracies. And this is how they do it. This is the spirit of collectivism. So in the uh, trustees report dated uh, August 31st of 2021, they said, this is, a, this is a catastrophic problem. We've got to do something with the cost of Medicare and Medicaid. And I'm telling you what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you what they are going to do because during, you know, Obamacare says what they're going to do, but it's going to get way worse because during COVID, there was a 38 million person increase in people on Medicare and Medicaid. So now there's 100 million. So now it's over 50% of the budget. So now the spirit of collectivism is on steroids. And most of these people, 70% of the country has been jabbed. There's going to have symptoms, increase in cancer. So then this is what our zombie nation does. The people go, they've already set us up. So they go to the doctor, hey, you have cancer. And so the doctor says, you know, we're, we'd like to get you started on chemo and radiation. The good news is, you know, we can get you in already next week. And the person, because we've been programmed to think chemo and radiation, that's the only cure for cancer, right? So they gladly sign up, but then they ask next, the next question, will my insurance cover it? And the doctor says, well, there's great news. You're on Medicare and it, it covers it. And uh, what I'm trying to tell people is that's the bad news because Medicare and Medicaid was put in place to kill you. And that's, the, that's the hook on the line, isn't it, Scott? Yes. If you get free insurance, but here's the thing, we might kill you. Uh, I don't think might is the appropriate <laughs> We We have an intention of killing you for money. <laughs> Scott, we got about uh, 50 seconds here or so. Can you tell people real quickly the two sites that you have set up, and, uh, and then we'll close out the show? Yep, the main site that's still there, ouramazinggrace.net, that's where you can find the, the medical rescue um, tab. But then the site that I would, I really, it would make a big difference to me, and it would really mean a lot to me if everybody went to gracechara.com, S-C-H-A-R-A. Please sign up and follow Grace's story in case uh, that would mean an awful lot to me. Uh, we're we're really working. I mean, I am personally in this fight, uh, hook, line, and sinker. I'm working uh, the last the last month has been 90 hours a week, but in general, about 70 hours a week. And you know, I'm I'm all in on this fight, and you know, I, I could really use the support of of everybody signing up. That would help me out a lot. Amen, amen. Scott Shira, we appreciate you very much. And guys, keep Scott in your prayers. Uh, there's no doubt that God is bringing him the information he needs to go forward with this. And uh, we're going to pray for much success for you, Scott. Bradley, be with you at 3 um, p.m. Eastern, SunCelebrityMedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning with Kate Shimrani, 8 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.